Welcome to the Romanticy Readers Podcast. I'm Allie. And I'm Nicole. And this is your weekly dose of morally gray men, epic love stories, spicy smut, and strong female characters. We talk about all your favorite romanticy books and book boyfriends. All the book boyfriends. <laughs> Giving you our genuine thoughts and reactions, theories, and overall vibes while reading the books everyone on BookTok and Bookstagram are talking about. We'll keep you updated on your favorite romanticy authors, all the books you have to add to your TBR pile, and even play a few silly games here and there. But fair warning, if you listen to this podcast, you will have more books to read than you have time for. Oh yeah, you're going to have so many books in your to-be-read pile. It's a given. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Welcome to the Romanticy Readers Podcast. As always, I'm here with Nicole and I'm Allie. But today we have an extra special episode with an extra special guest. We are interviewing author Emberly Ash about her series. Welcome, Emberly. Thank you. I'm welcome to be here. Yes. (laughs) You are actually our first author interview. So we are so excited. Yes, we're so excited that you agreed to do this. Um, when I read your book, um, I just loved it. I was just so, (laughs) I just loved it. I've always loved, um, King Arthur. Um, and I, of course I love Faye and I love (laughs) romantically. So listeners, if you're like, do I listen to this episode? You just heard Faye romantically King Arthur. It's pretty exciting. (laughs) And and a very hot MMC and very hot spice. So right there. I'm so glad Ali got me onto this because I have, you know, I haven't found many good sort of indie authors like that, you know, where the quality has been there. And I was just like, wow, this is, this is just like reading at Jennifer Armentrout or, you know, as just everything that I love about my fantasy romanticy books. I'm just like, it's just here. It's just here. And I'm just loving it. I'm currently in the middle of Throne of Air and Darkness and whoo, it's so good. So good. <laughs> yeah, the spice is spicing in these. <laughs> the spice is spicing. That's a really good way to put it. The spice is spicing. Yes. <laughs> I mean, so, if it's not spicy, like I'm like, I'm, why? why? Yeah. I'm just like, I'm here for the spice. <laughs> Us exactly. Too. I oh, there's nothing more disappointing than when you get into a book, and it might be a great story, but if there is not some spice between my main two characters, I'm just disappointed. Like, there's just like that optimum level of spice, and even just a little bit more than that is even better. But like, it's just that's just the icing. It's just it's got to be there. It's just not the same without it. It it's it's like um. It gets the momentum, you know, it like it really gets you like because then you're you can just like I just read so much faster when there's spice because I'm like, OK, I got it. I got it. They got it. You know, they got to get together. OK, they're together. But now, like, what's going to happen? <laughs> so I do, I I do not understand readers who do like closed door modifications who will be like, OK, skip chapter 36 because it's a spicy scene. I'm just like, why? Why? Like, that's the best part. <laughs> that's what I'm looking forward to. Yes, universally when I pull readers, I I remember when I was first writing this book, I had like, I had sent out to my newsletter because I had a few hundred people on my newsletter at the time. And I, I asked, um, you know, how many spicy scenes do you like in a book? Like one to two, three to five, 
six or seven. I think every single person answered 10 plus. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, okay, so the bar is up here. Here we go. (laughs) And I have not, I don't think I've managed to get 10 into a book yet, but you know, it's aspirational. Someday it's it's going to happen. You I'm sure it's a fine it. line between it. giving us the slow burn because we've got to have a little slow burn so it's really satisfying, but then once it kicks in, it's got to be like all on like Donkey Kong. Like every time they're in a bedroom, like boom, there you go. Like that's <laughs> the idea. We're not in a bedroom. We're not in a bedroom. Even better. Honestly, for me, even better when they're not in a bedroom. Right? I'm just right? I'm just yeah. All right. I really like when they're not in a bedroom. And one of the things about Crown of Earth and Sky is – uh, it is not really a huge slow burn, right? Like they're they're going for it pretty early on. Uh, it's an yeah. emotional slow burn, right? Like they they are not there emotionally, but man, are they there in the bedroom? Well, you yes. just can't fight that chemical attraction, you know. We we can understand that. We can get that, and you know that emotion can come later. It's totally fine. Like, yeah. <laughs> So I realized we should have said this at the top of the episode, but, you know, in true romantic readers fashion, we got on a tangent. Um, this episode is going to be, for the most part, spoiler free, especially around like plot details and kind of what happens. Um, so if you have not yet read um, these books, um, it, you know, that's totally OK. We're not going to spoil anything for you, um, but it's. We just, we wanted to interview Imberly and give her the chance to talk about her books that we love so much, but don't worry if you haven't read them yet. Um, And if you haven't read them yet, listen to this episode and then go pick them up right away. (laughs) So um, yeah, I just, I was like, oh, right. We were going to say that this is spoiler free. And then we forgot. Classic us. (laughs) We got there eventually. That's what matters. Yeah, that's what matters. Okay, so we're going to kick off the first question. And I think this will be good to give readers a sense of, you know, kind of what what they think the book might be about or or what what they might like in it. So do you feel like there are any comparable books that you kind of typically use to describe your book to be like, oh, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like this. Mm-hmm. So on the no spice thing, I like most more romantic readers. I'm a huge SGM fan. Um, and right. Like I was a, a a fan before I started a romantic fan before I started writing, writing this. Um, and so I, my favorite series of hers is actually Throne of Glass. Uh, oh my God. Ever, I was about to say, is it Throne of Glass? Because I feel like this is, is so but similar. Glass, what, what it doesn't have is like, is the spice, right? It's, it's yeah. very YA. And so, um, in my mind, I was I I love a lot of the elements of Throne of Glass. This really he- epic hero's journey, this enemies to lovers, um, yes. this her fight, this really sassy heroine who is a warrior right from the get go. All these things, uh, but I just wanted it to be so much spicier. And so, if you read Throne of Glass and thought, "Wow, I love this," but where is all the sex? <laughs> uh, then this series is definitely for you. It's like. Um, Throne of Glass meets Scarlet St. Clair, like, and yes. that's, I think, the best way to describe it. So I love that you said be, that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I have four books. So it's getting up yeah. there in too. 
I felt like this was so similar to Throne of Glass. I think because the world, it's kind of because it does have that King Arthur kind of English history kind of feel, castles and things like that, which you kind of had in Throne of Glass and obviously and in these books. So that was definitely one of the theories that I thought that this was most similar to. So it's so exciting to hear that that was obviously a big sort of inspiration for you. But adding a whole ton of spice that, you know, we did miss out on in quite a number of those books. And adding characters that are a bit more mature, obviously, with the spice, but I think a bit more mature as well in, like, their emotional journeys and kind of, I mean, obviously, our main character is sassy, maybe has some growth, you know, wouldn't be a good book if they didn't need to grow a little bit. Um, But I think she's just, like, she starts off a little bit more mature than maybe, like, Mm -hmm. Selena does in Throne of Glass. Yeah, I mean, we, I read a lot of romanticy with a young heroine who's finding her way and is kind of naive. And like, I, Veka is not that. Like, she no. is a hard ass um, from day one. And so there are no, she, you know, she certainly grows and learns. There's things she has to, to learn and grow into as a person and as a queen. But, you know, she doesn't come into this the world with any kind of naivete, right? Because she's been through it. By the time we meet her at 25, like, she's been through it. Yeah. So that was kind of I, – I didn't really have – I didn't have time for that heroine who needed to grow up. Yeah, I love she's that. She's not a pharaoh in no, any yeah. sense of the word. No, no. Yeah. I love, I love that she's 25 and that she has already – identify like she's got her identity she knows who she is she knows where her strength is she loves the fact that you know she's really all about you know physical strength about you know her sword fighting and her ability to you know protect herself just with her strength and as you say she really knows who she is this is not a journey of her being innocent naive and then learning it along the way it's more like she's a tough cookie and someone actually needs to break that exterior to kind of exactly find the (laughs) side inside yeah <laughs> exactly you gotta find her her heart she she has a good heart but it's like you gotta shovel past some things to get there yeah and I love that because it's almost like in a lot of series you know it's the the MMC that has that is like that has the hard exterior and it, you know Aaron is also like not a softie. Not a, softie. Has a tough exterior. <laughs> yeah. But I do think that he in the beginning is actually much more emotionally vulnerable than Veka is. And I love that. Like I love that that's it's a little bit different. You get to see, you know, him being the one that's sort of pushing her to share her feelings, to be emotional, to sort of acknowledge what's between them. Um yeah, that's all I'm gonna say because I don't want to spoil anymore, but you know, it's 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 great. All right. Yeah. So next question is around the fact that you've obviously written this whole story with that King Arthur inspiration and what made you want to write a story where that was inspired by that King Arthur mixed with the Fey world. Tell us about that. Oh, well, I went through a King Arthur phase as a teenager where I just read a whole lot of King Arthur. <laughs> um and so it was, it was something I had a background for. And it was something that I wasn't seeing a lot of 
right? Um, you know, you see a lot of Beauty and the Beast, a lot of Hades and Persephone. Um, yeah. Even now, like Little Mermaid, like there's a lot of like kind of fad, not fad, right? Because they're retelling, so they're not fads by definition. But um, there's a lot more popular retellings out there. Um, and I wasn't seeing a lot of King Arthur. And so I thought, wow, like this might be like a place, a story that people haven't heard. Um, and I actually had the concept kind of of the story before I decided to make it a King Arthur retelling. And so it is very much not like a direct retelling, right? Like Arthur, <laughs> I wouldn't want to spoil things, but you know, it's, it's, it's not direct, but if you are familiar with the lore, there are a lot of elements that are drawn in and that just gets deeper as you go into the other books. And what I think is um, interesting, I mean, I find it interesting as I write it, is that there's a lot of things that I think people don't realize are Arthur references, um, unless you were like a huge Arthur before. Um, so it, it's just a very rich lore. There's a lot to draw from. And I wrote Faye because I like Faye. <laughs> and yeah. The best yeah. part of being an author is like getting to write the stories that you want to read. So I, it was, you know, I like Faye, so I wrote Faye. <laughs> <laughs> I um, am also had a teenage King Arthur obsession phase. Um, I actually, I read The Once and Future King when I was in the sixth grade. Maybe it was a little too young for that. Oh, definitely but, you know, too Whatever. Young. <laughs> <laughs> I read it all. Sorry. Yeah, in my, you know, in the States, they give you this reading level and you have to like read books in that level. But like when you're in elementary school, if you're a good reader, they don't have a lot of books at your level. So I was like, okay, I guess that's what I'm reading. Um, this this and then was I me as a child it. too. This is why I started reading historical romances on my mom's <laughs> at like 10 because, yeah. you know, I had a high reading level and I was like, well, let me just grab these. <laughs> I'm also pretty sure I read Gone with the Wind that same year as a sixth grader <laughs> and like somebody that is also probably what started my like enemies to lovers like romanticy obsession <laughs> someone probably should have like been checking what I was reading as a 12 year old but oh well here we are <laughs> um and then I, I reread that book in the ninth grade and then I even wrote like my 10th grade term paper over the lady of the lake poem like I love King Arthur and so I loved like all the tiny little details in this series. And I loved like the moments where it's like, okay, you're subverting the trope or you're not subverting the trope or you have, you know, it was just, it was so cool. So, um, you know, and it's great because it's one of those books where if you are a huge King Arthur fan, you can really get into the tropes. But if you don't know anything about King Arthur, it's still like a great still story, awesome right? like, you can actually You're still going to see the highlights, right? You still have the round table. You have Guinevere. You have uh, Excalibur. Like you have the sword and the stone exactly. moment. You still have those things that you're going to recognize as like the classic King Arthur. The classics, yeah. Um, but not, you know, you're not going to get the references of the white heart or Gwen giving <laughs> the table or these different things, right? That yeah. are from the actual lore. Yeah. Oh my yeah, gosh, totally. I'm gonna have to go and research now because I like I know about King Arthur, but I don't like know know about it. Like you guys are just talking about a few things, but I'm like, whoa, over my head. But I know Excalibur, <laughs> I know Guinevere, I know the Round Table, I know all the major stuff. And yeah, so as I said, for me, I'm still 100% enjoying this. It's still got the Fae, the Spice, it's got this nice little shake up of the castle and the sword, and yeah, so it's got. So it really doesn't matter. It sounds like both 
kinds of readers will love this, whether you have a huge amount of knowledge of King Arthur or whether you just have, you know, you've watched that Sword in the Stone from Disney back 20 years ago and (laughs) and now you're reading reading this. Yes, it's for everybody. I think it's accessible at any point as long as you like spice. (laughs) Yeah, as long as you like spice. Um, okay, without giving too many spoilers, do you oh, feel God. like there was a scene that was the hardest for you to write? Um, <laughs> what are, or like generally, what are the hardest scenes for you to write? Like, <laughs> uh, the easiest to write are when Aaron and Baker are bickering. Um, <laughs> that's just like, hardest, that comes naturally. yeah, yes, that stuff comes naturally. Um, the hardest scene is probably in the water gardens when they're both kind of sharing about their trauma. Um, because you know, there, there are some trigger warnings in this book, check the trigger warnings, take care of yourself. Um, and they are both, they have like, they've seen some shit. And so writing that scene where they're both very vulnerable, right? Like it had to happen because that's a huge emotional moment for them and a huge moment of understanding for them. Um, But I think anytime that you're dealing with like a trauma or abuse situation, right? You have to write that right. Like you have to write that well. Um, And so I, um, I wrote it. I had friends read it. I, those, you know, any of the scenes that like directly deal with the trauma and abuse situations in their past are, are the most read by my poor author friends, um, <laughs> which is kind of sad for them. Um, but, but you just, you want to get those things right. And, um, you know, I've had a fair number of readers reach out to me and say like, wow, this, thank you for the representation of like grief and, depression and you know the the mental health rep in this book mm-hmm. and so that mm-hmm. tells me I got it right and makes me a little less scared writing those scenes going forward but you know that's that's so good and I think it is true you do explore how someone's going through trauma and their process through it which I imagine is quite mm-hmm. challenging because you really have to get into what that how that character what has happened to them how they're processing it what they're doing because they're not always having I guess what you consider is a typical reaction to trauma and to actually get into that, identify how that character is processing it and then their way through it. I can, I think it's awesome that you've obviously done it justice to put it past a few other authors and take your time just to really nail how that was delivered. But I think you did it beautifully. I think it was really well represented. I really connected with it and I'm sure other readers have as well. I mean, there's lots of feminine rage in this book. And I think sometimes people get turned off. Readers sometimes are like, ah, Vega is an angry person. And I'm like, yeah, we're women. We've been wronged. We deserve to be angry. (laughs) 100%. Yeah. All right. Well, all right. So we'll get on to the next question, which is a little bit easier than that question. Um, (laughs) You have, do you have a favorite character? Do you have the person who's your absolute favorite in your book? Who do you love? No spoilers. Um, who do I love? I love Kiara um, because she is like the friend who tells you the hard truths you don't want to hear. Mm-hmm. And so it's fun to hear her be um, – she doesn't chastise Veka, right? Because she still doesn't see herself as an equal to the queen, but she, she like pushes, I think more than almost any other character on her. Um, And so that's fun to write because 
it it it's we all have that friend or that person in our life that holds up the mirror for us <laughs> and it's a hard truth but you love that person and so it, she's fun to write um but like the character who's closest to my heart is paris he's just like Aww. such like a like warm cinnamon roll happy he's the best he's like <clears throat> and without going too much away he's sort of an interesting character because when we're first introduced to him he sort of just seems like a bit of a hot piece of ass on the side but then we get to know that <laughs> yes. that's pretty smart like he's pretty smart yeah. he does all the research and like Baker maybe had some reasons for keeping him around as a little toy boy like it actually <laughs> makes a lot of sense yeah like I just want to hang out with him in the library and eat treats and see what he's getting up to i want him to be my like bestie you know like i want to hang out with him in the library i want to eat food i want to drink wine i want to read books like all right i'm gonna sidetrack here and i'm gonna bring up something i was gonna talk about in a tick which is about the food that you talk about (laughs) in your book now if I'm not frothing over the male characters in your book, I'm frothing over the food you have in your book. So in, in most of like the romanticy fantasy books that I read, the, of the general food options are like porridge, stew, rabbit, you know, berries maybe. Or like like, you know, it's- they're like a block of cheese and a chunk of bread and you're yeah. on the road. Like, <laughs> you're exactly. like okay, that's appetizing. <laughs> But in this, oh, no, 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 it is chocolate croissants. It is scones (laughs) with jam and cream. It is like crusty bread with salted butter. I am just, I am hungry reading this book. (laughs) (laughs) So what's funny about this book, right, is that I'm, Veka is a plus size character and, but she works out. I mean, she trains so hard. And one of my author friends, I was talking back and forth with her about this and she's like, if if Vega's gonna have to eat, like she's gonna have to eat, like she's gonna have to have a lot of calories coming in if she's working out this much. And I was like, yeah. you know what? She is gonna have to eat. <laughs> um, and so a lot of my favorite foods are Vega's favorite foods, unsurprisingly. Well, I love it. I love it. And you know what? I have brought along a special surprise today in honor. <laughs> right, I have brought a chocolate croissant <laughs> and an almond <laughs> croissant because I couldn't decide between the two and I keep being hungry for croissants every time I read this book so oh my god I love yeah. it I I literally there's a thing fa- I have a favorite bakery here in Seattle and I drove last week in the middle of this work day to go get a chocolate croissant because I was writing and <laughs> I was like I need this right now <laughs> so it happens to me too <laughs> I'm a I am a chocolate croissant girly. I love a good chocolate croissant. But I also love like cheese and bread and like wine and all the other things that Vega mentioned. So I was also like very loved it. Yes. Yes. All right. All right. <laughs> okay, so which one am I gonna eat now, guys? Which one do you want me to have a bite of and tell you which one's better? The almond croissant or the chocolate croissant? What's the choice? Chocolate. Chocolate. I think you have to. Chocolate. 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 Yeah. Chocolate. Yeah. All right. Let's give it a try. All right. Report back. We're doing um, ASMR. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. Podcast. It's so good. Let me just do some nails. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, Crinkle it in front of the microphone. <laughs> now I'm just so jealous. <laughs> I know. I wish I had thought of that. It is a little bit later. Here. 
It's like no, dinner time it. for me. I can't really have a chocolate croissant. I mean, I could. I dinner could just time here for dinner, but. You can always have a chocolate croissant. You know what I had yesterday? And this is all because I've been reading this book, right? I've just been craving croissants. I had a pistachio raspberry almond croissant. Oh, like, wow. Amazing. Yum. That's just like, I was like, oh my God. Yes, please. Thank Yum. you very much. Like, that's amazing. <laughs> that sounds mm. really good. So, Baker, I'm inspiring me. I literally just ate some pretzels before because I was like, oh, I need a snack. Let me like. I know. I'm like eating. I ate a Lara bar like right before this. Like not not the delicious like sauces and like a pasta and cream and things that that Vega gets to eat. I read this book and then I'm hungry and then I go to my fridge and it's just not as exciting as the food that Vega's eating. I'm just like, oh, I want to be. I want to be in that world. I want all these yummy food options. I want to hand it to me. Right, me too. Definitely. All right. Something I would love to talk about, which is obviously a huge part of your creation of Baker, is that she is a plus size main character. Ooh. Yes, which I love so much. And you talk about her as having these luscious, thick curves. What inspired you to create Baker as a curvy plus size FMC? Uh, well. <laughs> I think we all have read enough willowy, slender Faye FMCs. Um, and I mean, really, there's there's two things, right? The first is that we there's like this perception, right, that plus size women aren't strong or fit or powerful. Um, and I just like hate that because <laughs> that's not true. And then the second thing I think is that there's like this sense that plus size women are not worshipped and adored and like having amazing sex. Um, and that is also not true. <laughs> and so as a plus size woman, I, you know, I wanted to see those things. And again, like the brilliant part about being an author is that you get to write the stories that you want to see in the world. And so I wanted a, an FMC who was powerful and strong and, and was going to have a, 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 oh, sorry, I almost spoiled a little bit there, and going to have a partner who, uh, who worshipped that body, who was, like, in love with her curves, um, and I think at some, some points, maybe I go overboard, but I really, you know, she, you know, like no it's not overboard but right like Erin is hot for those curves and uh I think that all all women of all shapes and sizes deserve to see themselves represented right and in the books we read and in fantasy and romanticy I just wasn't seeing that and so I I wrote it and I loved uh -huh. it and I love how people respond to it um it's like the thing that gets picked out the most and that just like warms my little heart <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. I mean, first of all, there is such a movement right now. And I think you, you're right. Like 10, 20 years ago, it was nothing but the wayfish kind of main character. And she was always like, oh, I forgot to eat for a month. Now I'm skeletal. Like, you know, it's so nice <laughs> to be seeing more main characters coming in. And, and it's not just yours. I mean, we're seeing it with some others yeah. as well. It's more curvaceous 
characters and these you know main male characters just loving it just loving the curve and it's right like it's not like you have to be a certain size to be loved or appreciated and I have so many people in my real life that one of my best friends runs a um, non-airbrush me movement which is all about plus Mm. size body positivity she has a plus size modeling agency so um, I know how important it is for so many women to have this representation and I just but I also just love the language you used in it like you didn't you make it sound so hot and sexy. It's like, yes, she's got these thick curves and he's grabbing them and he's, you know, like it's, you make it like hot. Like you're like, oh, I want to be Vaker. Like this is awesome. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah. And at the same time, I mean, you said this, but I, it's just something that was so important to me that I loved is that she is still a very fit, active person. Like she is very strong. Yes. You know, she can beat a lot of warriors um, in, you know, her, her battles. And I think that's, and she has to work for it too, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, what I, I, I hate is like, you know, you've got these wayfish FMCs who either like can't really fight or they learn to fight like immediately and you're like okay but like when did you have time to eat enough protein to develop the strength to wield the muscle you know to wield no the worries sword? about that because yeah. always eating <laughs> yeah like like you do have to eat a lot of protein okay to build your muscles um exactly so it's just like it's so realistic and it's so I think um you, you know it's just a different side of being plus size that we don't ever, that doesn't ever get represented, you know, Mm -hmm. which is that you can be plus size and still be active, still be fit, still be strong. Um, And so I love that too. Yeah. I distinctly remember when I was writing this book that I was camping. I have a daughter and I was camping with my best friend of 15 years and she has a whole gaggle of children and we escaped our children and our spouses to go (laughs) get the firewood and ice. Um, And she's plus size. Um, and she, but she is like the strongest person I know, like very dedicated athlete always has been. And she's just like throwing around these like cords of wood and huge things of ice. And I'm like struggling over here. And I was like, you, you're my FMC. <laughs> you are her. You are her. Oh, so I definitely like channel that. And, and, you know, right. That's part of, it's part of Vega's story. Um, that having to be strong and why she trains her body and all these Mm -hmm. things. Um, But it also, you know, back to what you said, Nicole, right? Like her sexuality, like she does not question, like she does not think like that she is any less. She knows she is not less. She is more in in your face with it. (laughs) She's like, I'm going to wear this because it's hot and it's going to distract people. Like, (laughs) <laughs> and Erin is like frothing at the mouth. So yeah. it's clearly yeah. getting her what she wants. <laughs> yeah. So we, okay. So we've talked about kind of what went into creating Veka. Let's talk a little bit about the MMC, Aaron, because oh, Aaron. boy, is he a good MMC. <laughs> he is so hot. He is, he is described as being like very, very tall, which I love because Veka is also very tall. Yes. Um, And, you know, he's, He's definitely like dark and broody, but not, not like the same level of broody that you sometimes get with like, you know, a classic enemies to lovers or something, you know, like he is still like very direct, you know, in what he wants and, you know, what he's after. And um, yeah, so talk to us a little bit about Aaron, what went into, you know, creating him, like what you think about him. (laughs) 
<laughs> what do I think about him? I think about him a lot. <laughs> he is your ultimate man. <laughs> right. My husband always jokes that like every male main character I write is based on him. Which is like hilarious because my husband is like the cinnamoniest cinnamon roll ever. Um, but and Aaron is not really cinnamon roll at all. He's not a cinnamon roll. No. He's, he's like an alpha. Dark um, you know, he's literally an alpha. He's a he's a wolf shifter, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, and you know, I his character is really built out of and this I don't think is a spoiler. It's just how the worlds are built, right? In the elemental court where Vega is from. Um, power is based on lineage, right? Like who you are and inheriting the throne comes down to where you're born in the hierarchy, right? And in his kingdom, the terrestrial fae, it's all about who can, who's the most powerful. And he's the most powerful fae in thousands and thousands of years. And so really it started with that. It started with like, what would it mean to be born into this world and like have this power that is unlike anything anyone has ever seen and then to have to live with that. And so naturally he like puts up a wall, right? He's because he can hurt people (laughs) very Mm -hmm. easily. Um, And he shifts into this terrifying beast. And so he definitely has these walls up. um, But he, he's all about duty. He's all about what is best for the kingdom until he meets a certain one. Um, and I, you know, he really, he's just all the things she needed. Um, mm-hmm. and so I think, I don't know, I, he was not as clear to me when I started writing him, you know, I had a very clear idea of who Vaco was. Um, but Aaron, Aaron came later, but like stronger in some ways, like he comes on really strong and he's great and he loves her so much. Um, Obviously, it's enemies to lovers. We know we're going to end up in the lovers eventually. It's um, romantic. He has to fall for her. It wouldn't um, be a romantic book if that didn't happen. Like, yes, yes, yes. But, you know, she, I don't think, has ever met someone who is her equal. And he is in all these ways. And he's never, he's certainly never met someone who is his equal. And so they are just so well matched for each other in all these ways that come out as the books go on that I can't talk about. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he challenges her and he sort of pushes her. But then when it, when it matters, he supports her without being overly pushy, you know, and I love that. And she is also not afraid of him. And I think that that's something yes. that is so important to him to not be feared um, for who he is, you know, at his core, because he, he is so powerful. Um, and so, you know, if you guys can imagine, you've got this, the the most powerful fae in centuries, you've got a super strong female character, and you've got somebody who shifts into a wolf, and you've got smut and spice, just, just let your imagination. I I love (laughs) guys, when you've described Aaron, you've just talked about all his like emotional internal strength and not the fact that he's just like crazy hot, crazy (laughs) tall, crazy muscly, like the man bun. Man bun. Yes. Yes, I'm just here for it. Yes. I mean, right. I guess, I guess that's true. Right. I did not want like, I, I mean, I love Resand. 
we all love yes. Roseanne, right? But like, I was not looking for smooth talking. Like, like I wanted a man. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like, a little bit more like Cassian, maybe. Like Cassian's yes. a bit more rough yes. around the edges. Like, yes. no. Yes, he's definitely rougher um, in every way, <laughs> in all the best ways. And the wolf thing comes up in all the best ways. So. Very, very enjoyable. Um, no, very so highly if you, if rated. If you don't have a wolf kink by the time when you start this book, you probably will by the end of the series. <laughs> that is a warning. And it, it really works. I did not have one before the series. And I don't know if I would describe myself as having a wolf kink, but I'm also open to it. <laughs> a book is well written when you weren't into the kink and you're like okay that's different but I'm kind of into it like it's kind yeah. of working for me and so it's fine yeah. it's working for me good when I sent it to my editor at one point I was like I a bestiality light like I don't know this counts. there's some things in here uh- <laughs> all right I'm going to sidetrack to a slightly different question now, um, which is around the current books that you're maybe reading at the moment or the books that inspire you. So what kind of books do you like to read when you aren't writing? Or have you got any books you're currently reading? Uh, I read everything, Um, fiction, nonfiction, um, biography. I really like World War II, like spy type stuff. Um, And then... I romance, all kinds of romance, dark romance, contemporary romance. Um, I just finished my reread of Crescent City 2 uh, yeah. a couple days ago. <laughs> so yeah. I, will, I will not be getting any work done next Tuesday. Um, I just picked up, um, this just came in the mail, Midnight Ruin, Katie Robert. I'm obsessed Ooh. with this series. Um, this book just came out and I'm kind of like teetering on whether I'm going to start it before, um, before Tuesday or whether I'll probably just be like comfort rereading things between now and then, um, I can do. I think yeah, it's like I, it's all about timeline. It's like if you can get it read before Tuesday, yeah, sure. But if you're not like completely going to be finished with the book, right. just don't even start because yes. Tuesday's going to come and you're just going to leave everything. Everything's exactly. just going to stop. Exactly. Life is going to stop. The kids aren't going to get fed. They're just going to have to look after themselves for a few days because. <laughs> yes, pretty much. And when I'm writing, I find I I generally don't read the things that I'm writing. So if I'm writing romanticy, I I generally can't write, or if I'm writing romanticy, I can't read it right then. Um, just because I get like a little bit like caught up in um the like the craft. I, mm-hmm. I think about like how that author said it or how they introduced something and then I'm not enjoying the book. So I try to read something totally different than what I'm writing. And then when I flip to one of my other pen name, I can switch back to romanticy. That's awesome. So it's like a palate cleanser. You have like a palate cleanser while you're writing. You'll read something nonfiction or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have to do palate cleansers in my reading, but it's like once every six months, you know, like not, not too often. Do I I hate palate cleansers. I try and just read like a romance and I'm just like, but I'm missing the fantasy. I need it back now. (laughs) I know I'm reading a straight romance right now. And I, Honestly, it's good because it's just like light and easy and that's all I can have before I dive into the SJM world. But, you know, I'm just like, okay, but like, where's the fae? Where's the where, magic? Where, where's the magic? Yeah, like, I'm just trying to find the shadow while they're hanging. Like, come on, I need it. 
Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so yes. you talked a little bit at the at the top or another point about that there's going to be four books in the series. Is that right? Yeah. So book one and book two. Anything else you can tell us about the plans for the series? Um, the dates, anything like that? Release date. So book three is April 30th, 2024. That's so exciting. I know. I know. Um, I don't know how yeah. to write that one. <laughs> I know. I know. It's wild because I'm I'm in the middle of it right now, right? I'm in the middle of writing and it's it's intense. Um, it's intense. I'll say that. It's intense. <laughs> uh, so four books are going to be Aaron and Vika's story, their main art. Um, and then there will be two more, two spinoffs, um, that will be standalones, I guess. Like they're going to be one complete romance arc, um, of characters that already exist, um, in the world. Okay. So we're going to get okay. two spinoffs, um, that I one to be released this year and one next year release dates, depending on how things go. Um, but book four, definitely this fall, bearing any, or yes. So um, eight, end of April for book three of Erin and Vega, and then their last book sometime in the fall. So I love it. I love a series that, you know, you can get through in a calendar year. When yes. it starts to span multiple calendar years, it, you know, it becomes really anxiety inducing for us readers. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a lot to keep track of as a writer. So Yeah. <laughs> I bet. Um, okay, I think I think that wraps up our sort of interview portion. Nicole, any last interview questions? Well, I only had one begin? more like priority question to ask because this is a really important question that okay. I absolutely have to bring up, which is about the spice scenes. So what can <laughs> readers expect from the intimate scenes? How spicy do you like to write your books? Well, this is so hard because spice is subjective right? Like what I think is spicy, other people are like, no, it's not spicy. Um, and even you get the chili pepper ratings and everyone's chili pepper ratings. Everyone's chili pepper is different. Every even chili, all, I have different ones. Yeah. All the chili peppers are different. Um, but they're chili peppers. There's on the page, there is uh, a wolf tongue involved. There is... <laughs> Um, you haven't gone to that part in book two yet, Nicole. You're welcome. No, I, I have been, uh, I have read that part. It was, yes, it was, it was good. It was good. It was brought in a good way. Um, <laughs> yes, there's, um, I mean, basically when I was writing these books, I was, because I write in another genre and it's not as spicy. And so I, everything that entered my head that I thought, wow, this is too dirty for my other pen name. I wrote it down and put it in these books. Um, <laughs> so, so that's kind of how it went. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I guess the, the spice is spicing. Um, there's some pretty explicit language. They like to talk dirty to each other. They like to oh. do it in all kinds of positions and Location. All the ways you can physically put things in other things. So yeah. uh, <laughs> we've often talked about spice and how you can kind of rate spice and, you know, you've got like your general five-star spice rating, but then there's like different, like there's dirty spice and there's there's mm -hmm. really dirty spice and then there's kinky spice and then there's like there's so many different ways you like can go. Spice girls with spice. Yeah, yeah, like. exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's like spice should have its own genre. You know, we need to come up with like a genre system for spice. So that is something that Nicole and I 
are working on and once we have it sorted out we'll let you know and then yeah okay so where do you put it on the spice rating because that's that's I have it in my own spice rating where do you put it in your spice rating so when I talk about spice for readers I typically like to do comparable series because I just feel like that's the easiest way. So like in my mind, you know, we've talked a lot about SJM here. A lot of our readers are SJM readers. I think, you know, it's a paragon and romanticy. I think it's more spicy than like Akatar, definitely more spicy than Throne of Glass, definitely more spicy than Crescent City. There hasn't been a lot of spice there. So it's like definitely more spicy than SJM. Yes. Probably on the same like level of spice, of Jennifer Armentrout, but maybe not as many scenes, you know, like mm-hmm. with Jennifer mm-hmm. Armentrout, it's like anytime the uh, the door closes, they're doing <laughs> they're it. going for it. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm still reaching for that 10, 10. Right. Exactly. Like, like Jennifer Armentrout is where you get to the like 10, 12, 15, 20, like <laughs> scenes. Um, yes. So that's how I describe it is sort of like somewhere between under Jennifer Armentrout, but above the spice. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say kind of like, Court of Silver Flame because that's a pretty spicy one. Oh yeah, like, that makes it spicier. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's around yeah. there. Like, but then kind of that kind of makes a little bit of Jennifer Armand Trout, and mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, it's nice. It's still kinkier than Silver Flames, you know. Yes, yes, it's kinkier, but good kink, like not weird kink, good kink. Like, yeah. it, was, it was all very enjoyable, yeah. and and but but it was like we have discussed. Look, I personally I think there's no such thing as too much spice. Yet I have read one or two books now where I've gone, yeah, okay, there was actually so much spice that the story got lost. And I think you've still, so it's got to be at around like 75%. And I think you've balanced it really nicely where there's heaps of spice and it's really enjoyable, but we still have story. We still have story. We still have the, you know, the characters going on a journey, things like that. It's, um, you know, they're blended really nicely together. I'm not getting overwhelmed and going, okay, this is like too spicy now. Like, I feel like I never really say that, but you know, it's definitely <laughs> just that perfect, a little bit more than just kind of medium, but not so much that it's overdone. It's just the right amount. Goldilocks level, like spice. Well, and right, you want something out of the spice, right? You want something for them as a couple out of it right and so that's like another big piece right is you're writing the spice you're reading the spice but like it's also moving them forward and so yeah I think as women for us to actually connect and kind of fall in love with characters we have to go on that journey we have to fall in love with them and that's part of what gets our juices flowing that we actually have a real attraction you know if it's just sex we sort of don't really connect to it to that much so we need to see that that slow build, the journey they're going on, and then mix with all the spice. So yeah, I mean, in this book opens Crown of Earth and Sky, right? There's sex in the first few chapters, but it's not Aaron and Baker, and you don't really remember it, and you don't really care about it, and like that's like the the a good contrast, right? For when you get later in the books and you see them together, and you're like, bam, okay, get it out. <laughs> exactly awesome awesome all right so now we're going to move on to a little game that we like to play which is called rapid fire questions so Emily the rules of this game we are going to ask you or I'm going to ask you a series of rapid fire questions what you have to do is you have to try and answer them as quickly as possible you have to just try and give a quick short answer I'll often give you two options two or three options to choose from or sometimes you just have to try and give us a quick answer but you can't go into too much detail you can't give the because you just got to answer it and it's right? torturous 
Okay. She does. Is it, are the these like personal questions or like book questions? Okay, these are book romanticy, okay. like kind of about okay. your writing kind of questions. So okay. it should be fun. All right. Do you want a sip of water or anything before we get started? Yes. Okay. Good. All right. Good. I'll take a sip of water. We've all got green yes. uh, bottles today, guys, just to see. I don't know why, but we've all just matched up because, yes. yeah. <laughs> all right. Okay. All right. Ready. All ready. Ready. Yeah. Okay. What is your favorite type of MMC? Hero, morally gray, or a villain? Morally gray. Do you like a happy ending where everyone lives happily ever after or a tragic ending that breaks the reader's soul into a million pieces? <laughs> uh, uh, God. Uh, as a reader, as a reader, I like the happy ever, happily ever after. As a writer, I like to tragically break your hearts forever. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. What kind of FMC do you prefer? Luscious curves and physically strong or willowy and magical? Luscious curves, obviously. <laughs> that was obviously an easy question. Okay, will there be chocolate croissants in all your books? Oh, no. Aww. <laughs> Hopefully there'll be other good options. Okay, what do you think is the ultimate magical power a character can have? Oh, God. Um, um, moving from place to place. Awesome. What are your ultimate MMC physical looks? Tall, dark, and rugged or blonde chiseled with piercing blue eyes? Ooh, tall, dark, and handsome. Every, oh, 100%. All the way. Okay. Who is your favorite romantic author? Uh, SJM. Yeah, probably. Oh, that's so hard. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> Best book to read on a rainy day? Um, the Spanish love deception. What is your favorite thing about the fantasy world you created? Mm, that it's basically centered around badass women. <laughs> if you could bring something or someone from your book into real life, who or what would it be and why? Paris, because he'd be my best friend. <laughs> yes! <laughs> I could okay. just... Do you prefer an MMC who is confident, funny, and roguish or dark, angry, and mysterious with a tragic backstory? Dark, angry, mysterious. <laughs> God. <laughs> I made it hard. I didn't make it easy to choose. <laughs> okay. What kind of villain is scarier? An evil, terrifying monster with no conscious awareness or an intelligent, power-hungry, sadistic, game-playing villain? I soulless monster for me <laughs> afraid of the soulless monsters over here afraid of ghosts so <laughs> <laughs> okay what is the ultimate spice level mild spice medium spice hot spice very hot spice so hot you are dying but if you're gonna die it's really a good way to go um uh, the top one <laughs> <laughs> 10 out of 10 a lot okay. of is it okay to kill off a main character? Yes. <laughs> okay, final question. What is the best romanticy romantic environment? Hot, humid, and tropical with luscious rainforest with a private waterfall or wintry ice realm castle with a roaring fire and one bed? Ooh, wintry ice realm castle. 
Ooh, can't go past the one bed option. Gotta love that. No, I, can't. I love a one bed. And if you, ooh, this speaks to book three so perfectly. Oh, okay. Anyways, keep going. <laughs> you have more. I love it. Yay. Well done. You did it. Yay. Okay. They're hard. It's like so torturous because you're like, I don't know. I have to pick something. <laughs> well, I like my preferences. The reader are different than my preferences. The writer. So it's so hard. Yeah. I love when you're like, as a reader, I like a happy ending. But as a writer, I'm just like, no, I'm just going to torture my reader and like leave them yeah. hanging and broken into a million pieces. <laughs> <laughs> Mind you, I secretly love that. Like, I feel like you, you say you want a happy ending, but you love, I don't know. I love being broken. I love being emotionally overwhelmed and in pain. I mean, that's actually what I live for. You have to work for it. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, my no street team is just, goes... No fun if it's just happy. Like, you need uh-huh. a drama. <laughs> yeah, my street team calls me the queen of cliffhangers. Um, and I, I do, I like a cliffhanger. I like it to be tough. I love the... The like you'll get the the happily ever after, but not so book four. <laughs> so prepare to be tortured along the way and like it. You know, it it it's it, you don't actually you, the payoff isn't as good if there isn't torture along the way. So exactly. All right, our last game is we are going to do a little fan casting of some of the main characters yes. in this book. To not give spoilers, but to just give you listeners a sense of, like, what do these characters look like, you know, so you know what you're getting into. Um, So Nicole and I are going to tell you our fan casts, and then Emberly will let us know if we're totally off the mark, if there's somebody else that she she envisioned. This is so great because, like, I love – this is my favorite thing in the world to hear when authors in interviews talk about, like, who they envision – four characters because i don't know why but it like brings a character to life for me personally so i'm excited so we're gonna start with our our main girl all right we're gonna start with aveka and then we'll we'll save aaron for last so okay um so nicole he's the only one i have like a concrete person for (laughs) all right can't wait to hear that's exciting that's exciting okay nicole who did you fan cast for aveka I have three. Of course we do. I have two. We never follow the rules. We're, we're a bit known to like, last time we did this, it was like, we meant to choose one and Ali's like, I've got five. So three is good. I, I kind of threw one in last night. Okay. So the first person I picked, who is probably a little bit aged out, but she is just the ultimate curvy, luscious actor. And that is Christina Hendricks. Oh, from yes. Mad Men. She is gorgeous her face she's stunning she's got the curves and she just owns them I know she's a little bit aged out though I think she's like 40 something now so she's a bit over but I just had to bring her to this to be like she is just so gorgeous so my my second option is a so I think she's a model and she's called Tara Lynn now she was on Fergie if you know Fergie um the I know, singer, um, her MILF music video. Now she was surrounded by all these Victoria's Secret models and she is this luscious, curvy model and she's just stunning. She's so freaking stunning and she would just make a sensational baker. I just, she's gorgeous. Look her up. She's super beautiful. Okay. Okay. And I've got one more that I thought of last night, which was kind of random. I was like, why didn't I think of this person? But this is a bit closer to home for me. Um, is my my sister-in-law, Daniela Rose, who is a plus-size model, and she 
is ridiculously tall, right? She is six foot two. She is like Croatian yeah. background. She is stunning. She nearly got cast as, I know there's this really bad Netflix movie a couple of years ago called Tall Girl and she was in California at the time and she nearly got cast for that but she was a little bit aged out. And um, But look, she is like, she's six foot two, she's curvy but she's strong and she's, yeah, I'm actually just like, oh, my God, she could totally do this and she's really tall and strong. Like, anyway, so I'll have to show you a photo of her, but I think she would be a great number three. So. Oh, I love that. That's exciting. Um, if you don't, it's okay if you're like sitting here, you're like, I did not know who those people were because sometimes <laughs> it happens to us too. Um, and typically when we put this like on YouTube, we'll like pop up a picture. So for, I've seen your fourth wing ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but it's okay if you're like, don't know who that is hey, never met your sister cool. <laughs> otherwise look on your phone yeah and, yeah we'll and get, get it that way <laughs> okay I I'm gonna give you three I had two but I do actually have three one of them I wasn't gonna share because they're aged out but I'm just gonna do it so the one that I really love that is probably a little older too old for this is Gwendolyn Christie she plays Brienne yes. in Game of Thrones yes. she, is she is blonde she is plus size she yes. is as she's can be do the action all of that but she's maybe a little but you know with good makeup and effects and she's a badass she is such a badass she would be badass i can just like imagine her with like long white hair it'd be so good um my second choice is hunter mcgrady who is in shrill which is um a show that ad bryant um made um and yeah so she's like a friend of ad bryant in the show um, she's also naturally blonde. And so I liked, I liked that as well. She's, and she models too. And then my, my top choice, and I feel like people are going to react to this and they're going to be like, no, this doesn't work, but I think it will work. Okay. Is Shannon Purser who plays Barb from Stranger Things. Oh, have you watched Stranger Things? Yes. Uh, yeah. I know who you're talking oh, about. She's kind of got the glasses. And... So she's like the friend who um, yes. died really early in the first yes, season in season one um, in season one and uh, like sh- and then um she has another show um that people just love her in and she always plays like a comedian and uh-huh. actually I will say and this is really I, I think this is interesting it was very hard for me to find plus size actresses that I knew had the acting chops that also weren't just like associated with being comedians right because like mm-hmm. plus size women always just have to be comedians they don't get to be action heroes mm-hmm. um and so you know I was like you know what even though Shannon Purser has only ever gotten to be in comedies she's a fantastic actress and I think she could do so well and she's like the right age and she, she looks great so Yes, I'd have to show you a picture of Tara Lynn because she is so freaking gorgeous. So hang on, let's see if I can bring my my phone close. Oh yeah, I can see that really well. So stunning. She is just like as I said, she had a heap of Victoria's Secret models around her, and she stood out. You were just like, whoa! I mean, she's so stunning. She's been in like Sports Illustrated, but she's curvy. She's like, and she's sexy to both women and men. Like they're all turned on by her. Like, that's just a simple thing. I think she'd make a sensational baker. I'm not 100% how good her acting chops are because I think she's mainly a model, but I'm sure we can make it work. I'm sure we can make it work. <laughs> yeah. Now, did you okay. have someone in mind for who you want to play Vaker? No, I don't. Vaker's her own. For me, she was her own creation. And it's funny because I usually do fan cast, like, when I'm outlining I like fan cast my characters, but not Veka. You know, she's her own creature very much. So, but I love yours. I'm going to be Googling all the ones I didn't know. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, okay, let's do um, Paris next, which is like the best friend character. I, I'll go first. I have two people, as always. And this is, after this, it stops my like multiple choices. Okay. Then I only have one. <laughs> so my first choice is Nicholas um, Galitzine who is the blonde prince in red, white, and royal blue on ah, Netflix. Yes. Um, yeah. He, okay, he just story. has that like best friend vibe. <laughs> um, and then my second choice, and I don't know how I feel about this, but I don't know. I do feel like he can make it work is Noah Centineo. I know he often plays like a more like bad boy character, but I do think there is a part of Paris that's like a courtier, you know, like they do mm-hmm. have to have that. Got a little edge. You know, they have to be like besties, but they also have to be able to pull off like, I can go and like charm secrets out of people, you know? And I do feel like <laughs> Noah Centineo can do that. So, oh my God. The other thing is like, if Noah is cast, I'll start falling for Paris. Like, I'll just be like, <laughs> there's like a lot of hotness here. And <laughs> I'm, <laughs> that wouldn't be a bad thing wouldn't be a bad thing yeah no, okay Ali, Ali what's hilarious about this is that my this is one of my few that I actually had one for and mine was um Alex the Car Perez who is the who plays the other the other red white royal blue because he's got like that yes. huge smile and I totally see Paris that way that that's so great. We actually, I cast him as one of my like Zayden fan casts. Ooh. But um, yeah, I really like him for for Paris. That works really well. That's that's so funny. It's it's well, so good, and they're both they're both so good. They're both so attractive. Yeah, yes. great movie. Well, it's interesting. The person <laughs> I've picked is someone that we did for our fourth wing fan casting as well, and that is Ga- Gavin Casaligno from the summer I turn pretty he plays Jeremiah um he's just he's good looking but he's a little bit slimmer like he plays that great I think I cast him potentially as Bodhi in in fourth wing and I just feel like he's got that he's good looking but he wouldn't overtake the main male character he's like but he's very attractive kind of feels a little bit like you know he's sort of a bit more open with his sort of sexuality and I feel like he could play that really well because he does that with Jeremiah too and I just feel like he I just feel like he'd bring a really good Paris so yeah I could totally see that yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you have anyone else or is it um uh no I think it's it's I I was actually re-watching that movie the other day after we had said we were gonna do this podcast and we had talked about the fan casting and so I now he's stuck in my mind forever. <laughs> That's great. Um, okay, let's do Kiara next. Um, love her. One of my one of my favorite characters as well. Um, Nicole, do you want to give your Kiara first? Yes. Now I hope I got the like the visual right because I think she is redhead with blue eyes. I believe that is the right thing. So yeah, I went for eyes, yeah. Sadie Sink from Stranger Things. Oh, so I love gorgeous she's got the red hair the blue eyes fair I thought she'd play this character mm-hmm. perfectly I love her love that yeah she would be and I think she would really pull off like being able to say tough things you know hold up the mirror to mm-hmm. make it really well I my fan cast is Abigail Cohen who is in the Wink saga if anyone mm-hmm. has seen that um she's yeah. like tall willowy very long um red hair and I really 
I like her for for spoilery reasons that I won't say. <laughs> but there's like something that happens with Kiara, and I feel like she would do that well because of her. Um, she already kind of has done like fantasy in the Week Saga show. So mm-hmm. love that, love yeah. that. Did you have anyone in mind when you wrote Kiara? I didn't, but the person that comes to my mind in general is um, Sophie Turner. Uh, oh for yeah, the that's same, so good. Same type yeah. of reason because she is played in fan- obviously Game of Thrones, um, and you know she's for the same reasons, Allie. <laughs> you're thinking ahead. Yeah, yes. big things coming. She, I think she would just play it so well. <laughs> I love Sophie Turner as Kiara. Yes. Like, love it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next character is Lorena. And Lorena is like the best friend warrior character. So yes. just for, for listeners, I also love Lorena. I end up saying that I love every character, but I do. Uh, um, okay, so I'm I... supposed to love every character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the point, right? Right. Um, I selected Florence Pugh for Lorena, which may be, you know, like, I don't know how people feel about it, but I think she would be so good because she's like strong and like golden skin and, you know, a very good warrior. And I think Florence Pugh would do that really well. So that's I'm my like, choice. What do you have I'm obsessed with Florence Pugh, so I'm here for this. Yeah. Like she could play be in anything and I would love it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love that. All right. I went, I had someone else initially, and then I realized that they're quite sort of dark and Hispanic looking. And I was like, okay, that's not like Gina, Gina Casaruba. I can't say her last name, Casaruba, but she's like a full muscle woman. And I was like, oh, she'd be great, but she's not quite right. Anyway, I've now, I've gone with Cara Delvine because I feel like she plays a really good, like beautiful, but she can be really strong. She's often, I mean, she's played fantasy before. She's a great actress and she, I don't know, she's kind of scary as well. She's like beautiful, but scary and tough. So I feel like she'd play that really well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Did you have anyone in mind for Lorena? I don't have anyone for Lorena. I really like, I, well, this is like kind of funny. Um, I think of because it's not I'm almost like afraid to say it because it's gonna ruin it a little bit but um like do you know in Shrek the the Prince Charming character in Shrek Shrek too that's like Uh the male version of Lorena in my mind not personality wise at all like not personality but like like a stereotypical like golden child like golden prince charming type character but in female form but yes absolutely yeah I totally get that I yeah I think I think Kara and Florence could do that I think those are good choices um okay Gwen uh who I also love Nicole did you pick someone for Gwen (laughs) okay again I hope I got like the the right sort of what they're meant to look like but I have gone with Jazz Sinclair from Generation V. So she is strong. She's beautiful. I think she'd just bring that different side of that darker side to like Guinevere. And uh, yeah, I love her as an actress and I think she would do an awesome job of like that character. Okay. I'm really excited about who I cast for Gwen. I cast Zendaya. Ooh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because 
Um, she has like raven hair and like yes. darker skin and like golden eyes. And I just like can totally picture Zendaya with like gold contacts, you know, and uh, really like anything having that like feline grace. Yes. Like, I don't know. I was really excited when I thought of that one. <laughs> yes, that's such a good one. She's the right age too. Yeah, totally. It's hard sometimes because like I'm I'm older, obviously. I'm not 25. Wish. Um, like, I don't always know the actors and actresses that are 25. <laughs> so like all of mine are like usually a little bit older. Yeah, well you'll go like, yes. oh, they're not that old, and then you'll be like, they're 35, and you'll go, oh, okay. No. I was thinking they were 25. Because you know, yeah, <laughs> not long ago, right? Yeah, yeah, mine, <laughs> yeah. Mine is not age appropriate. Um, but and I but Carrie Washington, uh, as yes. she is in like scandal. Like, yeah, bad yeah. Ass. yes, <laughs> but again, she's Drop. aged out, but like, I don't care, I want her, <laughs> make no prisoners, just like, yes. yes, I love it, yes, check out if you haven't seen Generation V, which is on Prime, um, Jazz Sinclair is amazing, and you've recommended, I think, her casting Ali back for Rihanna in fourth mm-hmm. week. Um, yeah. she's awesome. She's badass. She plays like a, a really strong character in Generation V with like powers and you know, she's physically strong as well and she's beautiful. I think she would play an awesome Gwen as well. Yeah. Okay, Aaron. I secretly think Nicole and I might have picked the same person. Um I'm so so excited. oh you have two. Okay, I only have one. I okay. kept it down to one. Um, Should I like cover my face? I feel like yeah. <laughs> Not give things away. Not give it away. Okay, Nicole, who have you picked for Aaron? Oh, well, it was a tough choice for me, but I've stuck to some favorites because Aaron is just, he's hes your typical, beautiful, tall, dark, handsome, rugged MMC. And there are only two actors I can think of that I would want to play this. Okay, the one that is extra rugged is Jason Momoa. He <gasps> is big tall muscly rugged aggressive he could bring that wolf side out like he's almost half wolf already so you could just see he's got the man bun going on like he's he's just made for it like he's just made for it but I also have my my favorite my all-time MMC he's nearly always my MMC for everything and that is Henry Cavill because how can you say Henry Cavill yes idea that's what he was okay okay this is a side note and a tangent have you guys seen the trailer for argyle which is like that spy movie that's coming out he looks so ugly in the trailer (laughs) i didn't think you could make henry cavill look bad and then they put that haircut on him and it's like what have you done bring the witch what have you done to resand what have you done to resand Okay, yes, I, I definitely note. see him as more of a sad character. Yeah. Okay. So I love Jason Momoa. I think that's a great. I'm really surprised you didn't pick this person. I pick this person. Oh. This is a true classic. And again, he probably needs to put on a little more muscle, which is fine. Um, but I have chosen Jacob Elordi, my favorite, <laughs> my all time, <laughs> my all time favorite. He's got the height. He's so tall, and he's like dark and brooding, and oh. um, so Jacob Elordi is who I have fan cast. Um, okay, how on or off were we uh, in our choices? <laughs> okay, so there's one person who's 
always in my head. Always. <laughs> always in my head. Whew. It's Jason Momoa. For- <laughs> he, he is like as cl- Oh, man. I, I'm not going to pan myself. I just love the man. Yeah. I love the man. He's what I picture. He's it for me. Yeah, it's a, it's a great place. He's got the man bun. He's big. He's muscly. He's good looking. He's kind of animally, like yeah. oh, ever since we first saw him on Game of Thrones, like I was just ready to turn Dothraki and just like live right? happily ever after. Like, and if you ever hear, I think they're divorced now, Lisa Bonet or whatever. They're not together anymore. But if you ever hear him talk, like in earlier interviews about like how much he like the way he felt about her i was like oh, 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 stop he's oh still in my heart and then <laughs> i feel like aaron gives that energy like he is like yeah. you said kind of wild and like wolf i mean he's a shifter right and but then the love it just like knocks you down oh my gosh can you imagine amelia and jason momoa like hooking up like that would just be insane oh. like the, the chemistry that was between those two in in that and then and yes. then he wouldn't be friends afterwards but like because obviously he was married and stuff but oh he's single not that i'm married you know i can't <laughs> <laughs> a girl can dream a girl can dream a girl can dream yeah yeah all right. I think that is the, all we have time for today. That is the end of our, our show. Thank you so much for joining the podcast, letting us ask you crazy questions, do hard uh, rapid fire questions. It was so fun. Um, if you guys um, have not checked this out, please go look up Crown of Earth and Sky by Emberly Ash. The second book is called Throne of Air and Darkness. And then what's the third book comes out, you said April 30th. And what will that one be called? <clears throat> Court of Vines and Vipers. And Ooh, I like the yes, it's going to be great. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This is so fun. My like cheeks hurt from smiling and I'm overheated <laughs> from thinking about Jason Momoa. So. So, a cold shower. I'm, I'm hungry for a chocolate croissant. So <laughs> that's the romantic readers podcast. <laughs> that's what we're all about. Now, quickly, yes. if people want to go and get your book, what is the best way for them to access your books? Uh, Amazon, they're Amazon exclusive they're, because they're in Kindle Unlimited. Um, but if you are in the market for a paperback, they will be available very soon through Barnes & Noble as well. Okay. Yes, that's exciting. Thank you. Have a a good um, rest of your day, Emberly, and thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Romantic Readers podcast. If you liked this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. And to help more readers like you find our podcast. And don't forget to follow us on our Instagrams, Book Loveaholic, Alley Cats and Books, and Romanticy Readers Podcast for even more content on your favorite books. As always, reach out to us on Instagram with your questions, theory ideas, podcast recommendations, or just general gushing about your fave books. And you might even be featured here. Thanks again for listening. Bye. Bye.